0: Hey everyone, I'm not back in any regular, organized uh, studio where I can control my environment a little better. Uh, I'm still traveling. I am actually in California now. I haven't seen um, my extended family for about a year and a half, over a year and a half now, I guess two years. Um, and uh, the COVID stuff uh, really prevented us from coming out. And I have a um, one grandfather who Will be turning 99 next month, and I knew I really needed to get to see him. So um, we're enjoying that, and uh, my wife is actually on the beach right now. I'm pulled over at the side of the road. We decided to take one day, one afternoon, and uh, drive down to the beach. And so we're at um, uh, the beach outside of Los Angeles. Uh, where, for people who want to know the geography of the area, we're at Point Doom area. So, um, just a, it's a beautiful day right now. It's kind of cloudy this morning. Now it's, it's kind of nice. And uh, I have a whole list of topics to talk about um, on the podcast. And I don't know how many I'll get to this week just because of um, the travel conditions. My grandparents also, who I'm staying with, do not have any internet. So, uh, it's kind of a hit or miss when I can upload anything. But um, one of the things, and this didn't require a slideshow or anything, so it was easy for me to just whip out my phone and and record myself talking about it a little bit, uh, was um, something I realized on Sunday, and I think this is a trend, and I think a lot of you are experiencing it probably in your churches, and so I wanted to just briefly give you some uh, thoughts off the top of my head about it, because I thought about it as... It was happening. Uh, we went to a church not too long ago, and um, the service uh, w- was good. It wasn't a bad sermon or anything like that. Um, but there was uh, there seemed to be a motivation behind it, which I've seen many other places now, and I think it is a trend in more conservative evangelical churches dealing with um, both the vaccine and COVID responses. So this would include the lockdowns and the masks and all of that, but the vaccine being probably the big one now, um, I shouldn't even probably call it a vaccine, the shot. It's not really technically a vaccine. And um, and then uh, the Black Lives Matter and social justice stuff. And one of the things I've noticed is that um, there's a tendency in churches where Uh, there's disagreements over this and and they're generally more conservative evangelical churches to downplay uh, those differences, to to downplay disagreements over the vaccine, to downplay disagreements over um, Black Lives Matter and social justice. And in this particular sermon uh, and just the whole service itself, there was an announcement uh, in the service as well about uh, COVID and all that I just got that sense very strongly that um, there's a fear that's plaguing a lot of pastors across the country right now, and it seems to inspire sermons on these topics, if they are addressed at all, when they are addressed. The sermons tend to be focused on unity, that there needs to be unity in the gospel, and um, anything that would disrupt that unity, meaning a disagreement over vaccines, disagreement over Black Lives Matter, that should be... Uh, kind of, you should just be able to agree to disagree. So there's kind of a, a downplaying of those issues. Um, and I, I think this is a very common strategy. Now, if you don't think so, you can feel free to write in the comments. But if, if, you th- if you've seen this, maybe at your church or other churches, uh, feel free to write in the comments and just let me know, because um, I sense that this is the way that a lot of conservative evangelical churches are trying to navigate this. And I'm going to give you just off the top of my head a few reasons why I don't think this is the best way to approach this. Um, One is, generally speaking, and this sermon was no exception, uh, you're going to have to kind of cram a square peg into a round hole to find a text to help you with this. Uh, you're generally it's going to be focused on something to do with um, the disagreements that abounded in the early church uh, the Judaizer heresy issue um, Jerusalem Council um, the gospel going to the Gentiles uh, this kind of th- these kinds of things and um, and then trying to focus on the unity that everyone has in the gospel and that uh, you can have ethnically diverse or even culturally diverse churches and All those cultural uh, disagreements, or, or or just habits that are different, cultural norms that are different, um, those things uh, can be sacrificed for the sake of the gospel. So it sort of gets put in the adiaphora category. It's uh, like the meat sacrificed idols issue. Um, And I see a lot of when this happens, um, I see a lot of categorical issues because you have um, direct threats to the gospel, like the Judaizer heresy, but then. You know, you'll be talking about meat sacrificed to idols, and and issues that are more secondary. Um, whether or not someone can partake and eat uh, meat that's sacrificed to an idol or not, and so one of the things is there's there seems to be a lack of clarity and a lack of directness about what we're actually facing. Um, and this is more related to the social justice stuff. Like, are we actually facing a threat to the gospel? Is this actually what I believe it is, what I argue in the book that's coming out soon, um, and I actually just submitted the final corrected draft, draft last Saturday. Um, it's called Christianity and Social Justice, Religions in Conflict. And I make the case very strongly, I think, that social justice is ultimately an alternative religion. It undermines objectivity. Uh, you can't really have revelation without that. Um, it um, has a different ethic. It's an egalitarian equality that it pushes, not equality before the law. It um, also uh, has a very um, narrow way of looking at the world, and it doesn't give the full spectrum of uh, the, uh, it doesn't show the full spectrum of the the world that God created uh, that we can detect with our senses, that we can see around us. It just kind of reduces everything to a power relationship or something like that. There's very firm designations given to oppressor and oppressed categories, and of course it tampers with uh, the the very concepts of sin and forgiveness and reconciliation uh, and repentance and ultimately uh, when it's fused with Christianity, it gives you a different gospel, a gospel that's very similar to the gospel of the Galatian heresy. Uh, and nine times out of ten when I see social justice advocates in the church try to push social justice, they, they end up fusing it somehow in some way with the gospel and combining it with works um, somehow. So, it's, it's a deadly, deadly threat, um, I would say, and, I, and, I, and it's not just because I focus on this more, I don't think. I, I think I would just say this whether I had a podcast or not. It is a more direct threat right now in real time than the prosperity gospel is uh, at this current moment not saying the prosperity gospel is deadly and dangerous, but I, at this current moment is more deceptive. There's more clarity lacking. More people are being swept away and confused by the social justice gospel than they are the prosperity gospel, in my opinion, from just my own observations. So if you think it's all that, if you think that you know, this is a real problem and uh, this is happening in real time, then you're going to put the social gospel or the social justice gospel more in the prosperity gospel category. And you're going to probably, if you're a pastor, preach sermons that are directed against um, social justice uh, with a full understanding of exactly what it is and how it corrupts Christian teaching. But like I said, instead, what I'm often seeing are sermons that are just focused on unity. And so they have to, if if you want unity between people who push social justice and people who don't and are against it, then the, the only thing you can try to do is to downplay the controversy, to make it out like, well, this is really just like the meat sacrifice to idols issue, or this is really just um, like a cultural difference between Jews and Gentiles or something. This isn't really a direct threat to the gospel. It's more safe in a way. It's, it's more of a secondary issue, more of a tertiary issue. And, and so this concerns me, obviously, because I disagree. I think that ultimately th- this is a false religion. And I think there are people deceived who are pushing certain aspects of it who just, you know, don't really understand. They're ignorant, that kind of thing. I get that. That happens with every false teaching just about. But you have to attack the false teaching directly. And those who are prominent and who should know better, who have been corrected, who are promoting it. It's the same way that people approach the prosperity gospel. I don't think you really, I don't think there's a, we, we need to reinvent the wheel. We, people in evangelicalism and conservative evangelicalism um, go after the prosperity gospel all the time. They name names, uh, they talk about it, they don't want the, it in their church. You know, I think it, this deserves the same treatment. I mean, you could say all day, well, hey, there's people, who uh, believe in certain aspects of the prosperity gospel and they're not heretics or they're, you know, they're just ignorant. They're confused. Like, okay. All right. But you know, that's beside the point. Um, that's the, it doesn't help the sheep who are being ravaged by this to just keep giving the benefit of the doubt. Like everyone's ignorant, who's pushing it. Cause we know they're, they're simply not, they're false teachers. And the same goes for the social justice movement. Uh, so, um, so I, I think that's an error. I think it's a categorical problem when, when people try to do that. And I think the result ultimately is you're kicking the can down the road. Um, you're going to have people uh, leave your church. Um, even, you know, even if you lament, oh man, I, I wish they didn't leave. It's, it's a foregone conclusion if they don't feel like the leadership is taking a side. And they believe this is a, a very important issue. This is fundamental to certain you know, core doctrines and things like that. Uh, they're not going to stick around if someone's just saying, well, unity, unity, unity in the gospel, but we're not going to talk about how social justice actually does undermine the gospel and undermine doctrines that are fundamental. The other thing I wanted to um, just briefly mention is I hear a lot that, um, that the unity is in the gospel and I, I, I get that and I think there, it's accurate depending on how you how you mean it. But I think the better thing probably to say, and I think that what you find more in the New Testament, at least, is I find unity is expressed in Christ by the nature of being in Christ, and so the gospel, obviously, uh, believing the gospel, um, is is the is the reason that we're in Christ. So I understand if that's what people mean. I just think our language um, probably could be a little better if we just say that because there are things that unify us that are not um, not directly. Um, related, or I should say, how do I say this accurately? There are things that unite us that are not the gospel directly. There are core doctrines that are not the gospel. Now, they may be necessary for the gospel. Uh, the gospel may not make sense without them, but we have to have a right understanding of um, the character and nature of God and um, and the nature of, of sin and what it is. And there's there's a lot of things that we have to understand in order to even understand the gospel. So um, the gospel's been so reduced, I think, so often uh, that, or it's been so, um, it's, it's been simplified. And, and it is simple. It is a simple message, right? Believe in Jesus and his atoning work that uh, what he did um, is um, able to impart righteousness, the righteousness of God to those who deserve God's wrath. And they can be in a right relationship with him, not through their own works, but through the works of Jesus. I mean, there is a simplicity to this every, all the words I even just use, you know, Jesus, okay, who's that, right, works, uh, w- what work of Jesus, what uh, sin, What's sin, you know, right, so um, there are things that, ingredients that you need to understand to understand the gospel that uh, are not the gospel themselves, and so um, being in Christ, being in him, being a child of God, um, being protected from the wrath of God because of the fact that we're in Christ and we're brothers and sisters, we're part of the same family, we're part of the same body. That's where the unity comes from. We have the same spirit within us. And um, and so I, I think it's, it just, it's more broad. It seems more broad, that kind of a unity. And it's more meaningful um, when it's stated that way. Again, I'm not trying to get on anyone's case. I understand, uh, yes, we have unity in the gospel, absolutely. I just think that... Um, because so often the gospel is so simplified and so misunderstood. And um, I just, I I don't all the time know what people mean when they say that. And I guess it just is more clear to me if you just say we have unity in Christ. So if you are in a church and there's disagreements over social justice, and you said, yeah, we can have those disagreements as long as we're um, unified in the gospel, then I think it just spreads more confusion because people are now wondering, well, what, what do you mean by what gospel are we talking about? Because social justice you know, does introduce categories of works often into the gospel. It does undermine the very way we know about the gospel, the nature of revelation. It does um, change the very nature of sin and justice and reconciliation, all these things you need to sort of understand to know the gospel. So it, it just creates a lot of confusion. And I think there's some well-meaning people trying to m- keep their churches from splitting and I don't, I just don't know that it's going to work too well. You're going to end up having people leaving if they haven't left already. And if you're trying to hedge against more people leaving, the best thing to do is probably to just come to a firm conviction. Uh, What is this social justice threat? What, what does it mean? I mean, this is why I wrote the book I did to try to help explain this to people, but what exactly is it? And once you can answer that question and you can uh, bring some biblical thinking into it uh, and, and to, to bear on it, then, um, I think it'll be a lot more, it'll be helpful (laughs) rather than trying to sit on the fence and hope that this storm will soon pass and uh, the social justice people won't leave or the anti-social justice people won't leave. It's just, it's better to just take a side. The other thing is a lot of people, a lot of sheep have questions about this. And if you sidestep it and downplay it, then they're probably gonna feel like they can't actually have their questions answered. You know, why would they go to their pastor and ask, about something that's just really not that important? Are they disrupting the unity of the body by asking that question? I mean, that's the kind of, those are the kinds of things I think people in the congregations that receive sermons like this are thinking. Um, Other thing, the vaccine thing, because that's another uh, thing that I think pastors are trying to kind of, as much as they can, straddle the fence so that they can keep their congregation intact. This this is a little different. Um, I, I realize that the government's using both to kind of get us to arrive. I think at the same destination. But um, the question of the whether you should take a vaccine or a shot, because it's not really a vaccine, is um, is a medical question. But it does have it does. There are moral components to it as well. And one thing that I think pastors probably need to grapple with at some point, if they haven't is the, uh, the aborted uh, fetus uh, lines that are used in some of this uh, research and in other vaccines. Um, you'll at least have to think through that ethically. I've, I've talked about it before. I don't feel comfortable uh, with the vaccine and that's one of the reasons. Um, but I think this is something that pastors do at least have to acknowledge. There are people in your congregation, some of them working in the medical field and now other fields, who are going to be applying for religious exemptions. They're going to be coming to the pastor's of the church to try to get those exemptions and the main argument that will probably be used to get them is that there are, are um, fetal lines that uh, are that are, are immoral from a certain uh from a certain perspective uh in, in a certain christian perspective and so um i'm just preparing This probably something i should have said a while ago i probably did and i just don't remember but This is probably something, if you haven't faced it yet, you will face it uh, if you're a pastor and it's something that you want to think about at this point. Um, Other concerns. Uh, If you look at the uh, anti-shot people and then the pro-shot people and the, the, if you want to call it the extreme ends of both, one side who's against it believes that, um, some believe that this is going to kill everyone in three to five years. If you take the boosters and everything. It'll weaken your immune system. You'll get a virus that is different than the uh, mRNA uh, vaccine and it'll kill you. Others think this just makes you dependent on the government and you're going to be um, relying on boosters the rest of your life. Of course, there's concerns about blood clotting. There's concerns about um, uh, infertility. And so um, I've, said my opinion before, and I'll probably talk more about it in the future. I, I, I wouldn't take it and you couldn't pay me to take it. Uh, you'd have to hold me down. I mean, and, and force me, uh, I, I would not, uh, from, I would not choose to take this, this shot. And, uh, again, I'm a younger male, uh, starting out in life. I, the infertility thing, especially, um, bothers me. Of course, I have concerns about the, uh, cell, the, the, uh, fetal lines they use. I, I have a lot of concerns about it. One of the big ones, though, is that it's just un- it's untested. This is something that has not gone through, uh, no matter which one you're talking about, it hasn't gone through the traditional, um, even the one, was it, Fitzer was just approved by the FDA, which is pretty shocking. But um, I-, I would wait, I would wait a while, I would wait, I'm, I'm talking years at least, uh, before even knowing kind of what what this is gonna do. And it, it seems like um, from a number of things that I've looked at and read uh, that there's already a lot of negative effects that people are noticing. I know personally people who um, have uh, gotten blood clots uh, right after getting the vaccine. And uh, so I, I, but that's my personal thing. I I stay away from it. I don't think um, it is a wise decision yet. At the same time, there are people who on the other end, this is the extreme other end, who think that if you don't take it, that you're not loving your neighbor, that this is something that is necessary for reducing the spread of uh, COVID and this um, and and the new Delta variant and uh, that you're just not being considerate and um, they would even force it on the whole population and so you have these two extremes now the question in all this is uh, does the Bible weigh in on any of that and of course I think it I think there are biblical principles we can draw on to say yeah you know aborted fetal lines isn't good that's wrong I think um, we can draw on biblical principles to say that um, that uh, the responsibility for uh, personal decisions about your body, uh, that belongs in a more of a personal jurisdiction. Um, and if you're not committing a crime, this is not something that the government should be getting involved with, at least uh, to, to the point of forcing. I think most people agree on that. It shouldn't be forced uh, in churches. But um, the question of loving your neighbor and using a biblical principle uh, like that to, to push the vaccine... I think that that is something pastors have to deal with directly. Is someone being unloving to their neighbor? Are they, um, are they somehow disobeying the law of God? Because that is a serious charge if they take the vaccine. Conversely, um, if, if they uh, don't take the vaccine, are they being more responsible? Uh, are they um, trying to hedge against totalitarian government overreach and uh, the kind of overreach that would take away all our civil liberties uh, including our liberty to worship God freely, and and so these are these are diametrically opposed positions, guys. And that's really what I want to get across is you can't really straddle the fence on this very easily. Uh, if people actually believe that it's not really about a vaccine, it is more. And some some do believe it's just you know they're they're not thinking through it too deeply. But those who are really um, uh, motivated to engage this on both sides and are really passionate about it. I mean, on one side, you have those who think this is going to be the end of, uh, of civilization <laughs> and, and the other side thinks it's also going to be the end of civilization and for completely uh, different reasons. And, um, and they're coming to completely different conclusions. So um, I just don't think that it's something that you can just kind of sidestep uh, and, and try to. In fact, if you do try to address it, you'll probably more likely cause more um, more curiosity and more attention will be drawn to that topic. And it, it'll it probably cause more division in the long run because you'll be trying to get people not to talk about it, to, to view it as a secondary issue and it'll just, it'll be, you know, you're bringing it up more. So um, I do have my own thoughts about this and what I think the right thing to do is. But the main point I wanted to get across is uh, trying to navigate the issue without taking a stand either way without taking any kind of position is probably not going to work I just don't I don't think it is working in most churches I see pastors trying to do this and I think the fear a lot of the time is they just don't want their congregation being split apart by something that's secondary but the concerns involved with this many of them are not secondary and so that's why they do need to be addressed. At least the moral components, the components that scripture does have principles that can be drawn from to talk about and to address, I think that's that's something pastors do need to probably focus on. Uh, and um, you're gonna be getting those questions personally either way, but you know, why not just be honest, deal with it from the pulpit? And if someone disagrees with you, okay. You know They disagree. If they wanna leave, okay. But at least you've had an honest conversation and you're not trying to have a pretended unity uh, when there really isn't any unity there. So, um, those are just some off the top of my head thoughts on that, uh, motivated by a sermon that I heard recently that I, I felt like tried to sidestep all of these things. That particular church will probably be talking about the same issues six months from now because uh, you kick the can down the road. Um, but the churches who have taken firm stands, they are seeing um, a different, sometimes a different makeup of their congregation. They're seeing different kinds of people come. And I, I do think pastors um, should not just be, and I realize, you know, a pastor's not a doctor, a pastor's not a sociologist, right? No, they don't work for the government. But a pastor does have to apply the Bible. And if, if you're applying scripture, you do have to understand something about the things you're trying to apply it to. So I, I do think it is appropriate for church leaders to at least familiarize the, themselves with uh, the potential risks that uh, a vaccine like this has and the moral components that underlie them, and and even to some extent, what hey, what is the World Health Organization trying to do? Is there a deeper plan here? Um, you know, is this even a necessary thing? And if not, why is it being pushed so hard? These are things that I think pastors probably do need to at least be somewhat aware of, so they can have educated conversations with members of their churches uh, who have questions. I mean, I've gotten a number of questions myself, and I and I know part of it is because they're not getting answers from their pastors private messages from people in the medical field. They're going to require the vaccine. What do I do? Those kinds of things. And, um, you know, they're going to be coming to you for, if you're a pastor, for religious exemptions, probably, if they don't want to take it. So um, I, that, that's just my thought. Uh, you could read uh, the Warrington Declaration. Uh, I know I had one of the um, authors of that on, the, on this podcast a few weeks ago uh, to talk about uh, vaccines and lockdowns and COVID and all of that. And um, I would be generally in, in sympathy, I think, with that statement for the most part, and that's kind of where I come down on it. But either way, you got to think through it. So that's just my my reminder uh, to church leaders and pastors, and even uh, fathers and um, and mothers and and just family members. Uh, it's something that you're probably going to want to educate yourself on. Well, um, I have been going now 25 over 25 minutes, and I'm starting to uh, starting to get hot in this car. You could probably see on my face. So I'm going to end the podcast there. And uh, appreciate everyone out there, all your support and uh, more coming later this week as I can post. And next week, I think we'll get back to a little bit more of a regular schedule. I've gotten a lot of requests to talk about certain things and I have a whole list made up. If you've emailed me, if you've, uh, if you've gone to the website, worldviewconversation.com and signed up on the top right hand corner uh, for uh, requesting a speaking engagement. I know a number of people have done that requesting me to come to their church to speak on social justice. Um, I will get back to you. I just, uh, right now is a little difficult for me. So I just want to let everyone know that God bless. Talk to you later in the week. Bye now. Sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member for $90 more. I can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more. You'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach sweat platinum.